State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. As black folks, man, we don't always have the opportunity to be opportunistic, right? Because... Once we graduate college, man, we thinking about these loans that we got to pay back. We got to go get this job. We, you know, we got to do all the things that our counterparts uh, don't have to worry about. So we don't have chance or opportunity to just be opportunistic. Whereas if I had a nest egg and my family set me up, you know what I mean? I can go out there and make a $100,000, mistake. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Derek Moore, a.k.a. Mo, Clint Gray, and Emmanuel E.J. Reed are the founders of Slim and Husky's Pizza Beria, a fast casual artisan pizza shop with a love for hip-hop and R&B culture. The Nashville-based company now boasts restaurants in Antioch, Chattanooga, 
Memphis, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, as well as Atlanta, Georgia, and Sacramento, California. I talk with Clint and Mo about the Italian history of pizza places and how their take on a pizza restaurant instead amplifies black culture and how that takes each slice and topping to another level. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, our um, initial vision concept uh, was all about being, uh, you know, authentic. We, we wanted to, uh, you know, basically put our story, our culture, uh, everything that, you know, creates uh, the black experience uh, on our walls. You know, we grew up, you know, in the era of, of, of dope 90s, uh, you know, hip hop music videos, movies such as uh, Do the Right Thing. And, you know, we even got, you know, boycott styles, uh, you know, on our walls in our restaurants because, you know, you know we, we felt like there was room for a, a concept and restaurant brand, not just pizza actually, but just something that told, you know, the story of, of, of black culture in a high-end way. And so, you know, the only thing, you know, Italian about our concept is the pizza. Everything else is 100% uh, African-American culture and our way to tell that story to the world. Yeah, and I was reading something where you position this as music, art, and good food, obviously. And so how how does the music part fit into, like, what is the experience like for somebody who's not been to a Slim and Huskies? What is the experience like inside one of your stores? Um, so, yeah, it's a piece of art music, man. That's uh, something that we uh, we live by uh, at Slim and Huskies. And um, man, music is, aside from, excuse me, Aside from the pizza um, uh, and the art, then, then the music is is probably maybe maybe a little bit more important than the art, um, mm-hmm. because when you come into Slim and Huskies, um, it's a feel that you get when you listen when you hear the music uh, through the speakers, and that's something that, that what Clint's talking about is being authentic as uh, an African American culture man. Like we noticed that we would be going to all these restaurants and stuff, but we wouldn't be, we wouldn't hear our music. You know what I'm saying? We wouldn't see our, our art on the wall. Um, but you got a bunch of black folks in the back cooking, you know what I'm saying? Or patronizing the, the, the spot, right? So, uh, so, the, so the music says uh, off the rip, you know what I mean? This is, aside from looking at all the employees, uh, this is a black owned uh, business, you know what I'm saying? Um, but inclusive though, so like that's very important for us to make sure that you know, as black as it is, man, you know, this is an inclusive business. So, you know, the money is green. You feel me? So, <laughs> so you know, we ain't turning nobody away. Or, you know what I mean? Right, but, right. But, but, but our culture is, uh, you know, we set the trends in America. You know what I mean? From the food to the music to the clothes. Uh, you right. know, That's right. uh, you know, the uh, film. You know, education, all those type of things, man. We set the trend, so, so it's no, so so it's no, uh, it, like we don't apologize for it. You know what I mean? It's just instead of instead of hiding behind, uh, um, you know, some walls, man. We put it out out in front, man. And so the music, we got an unplugged series that we do, uh, which we feature local and and artists from from out of town, man. And we do that what once every other month, Clint. Once yeah, a month, yeah, almost quarterly. Almost quarterly. quarterly. So, yeah. so, um, and, and it's it's a huge deal, man. And and we do concerts. We got a a park called Pizza Park. We do concerts with a live band. Uh, so so music is very much, 
uh, important to to Slimmer Huskies. I, I love that, and I want you to go a little bit deeper because I was I was reading a, a lot about your story and this idea of gentrification. Like you think that there's so many parts of our country that are historically black, and you know affluent white people are moving in and you found success in areas that you know are in the middle of that and so while they may love our culture they love our music they love you know the, the colors and all the things they may not always love us but you guys have found success in areas where that are being gentrified and our you know we got affluent white people moving in but we still here trying to hold on to those properties so talk about how how slim and huskies fits into geographies and how you bridge the gap in those communities yeah, what's crazy is when we first opened up, uh, you know, it was it was stemming from the sale of our initial business, which was a moving company. And our moving company was like, you know, community based. We were hiring our friends that had been incarcerated. Uh, you know, we had a we had a big just, you know, focus on giving back to, to our people, right? And giving them jobs, providing opportunities. And so, you know, we sold that business and now we had this, you know, this money that you know, we, we need to, you know, do something with it. Now, we couldn't just ride off in the sunset, man. We're entrepreneurs, so it's like, man, what are we gonna do? So we decided to open up a restaurant. So we start, you know, we had the funds to go in any of Nashville's fluent areas, right? Like, we went and looked at them all and, you know, saw the real estate prices, you know, and that wasn't an issue, but what was an issue was we just didn't really feel connected to any, any of the areas. like. It's like we were lacking purpose if we went to one of these areas that you know we're about to reinvest all of our you know money and time into and so you know we started really to think like do we have to open up in these areas that are already booming or do we want to open up somewhere that's needed and like you know where we can bring value and so that's when we decided to open up uh in zip code 37208 which is north nashville historic african-american side of town home to, you know, several HBCUs, Tennessee State University, uh, Fisk University, Meharry Medical College, uh, but also home to, you know, some of the highest, you know, rated, uh, you know, highest rate of crime, uh, you know, in America. And so, you know, there's reasons for that. And it's, it was not our culture. The reason was that our city wasn't, you know, just like other cities, wasn't reinvesting the time uh, money and resources into our neighborhood the same way as they were the others. Uh, and also taken away from the neighborhood by, you know, changing infrastructure and, you know, running interstates throughout the middle of our neighborhoods, cutting off economic, you know, uh, commerce and things like that. So, uh, you know, we say, you know what, like, this is where we want to go. We want to bring life, energy, business, jobs back to our own communities because not just because it feels good, but because it's, it's needed, right? And so uh, we opened up on the 10th block of a street called Buchanan. And, you know, Buchanan had suffered for a long time from, you know, crime, drug use. And uh, there was not an open business for probably like 10 blocks. Uh, and not, you know, it was considered a food desert in a very populated area, uh, you know, populated, you know, African-Americans. And so... Uh, we decided to open up and, you know, from day one, we saw what it meant to, you know, to open up a black business in a black neighborhood, you know, by providing jobs. We had a 15-year-old come apply for a job and we told him like, you know, hey man, unfortunately, we, you know, you gotta be 18 to work here, you know, but he, he gave us a spiel. He was like, man, I've been getting off this bus for, 
three years. No, I'm sorry for yeah, for uh, three years. He was yeah, no, it wasn't 15. He was 17. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was 17. We couldn't hire because he was 18. He hadn't, you know, he'd been riding the bus for three years and couldn't get off the bus and find a job close to where he worked. So he had to get on another bus and ride to go find, you know, work to help support his family. So I said, you know what, man, you if you show up tomorrow on the dot at three o'clock, man, and you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see what you're talking about and we, we, we may hire you, you know what I'm saying? And he ended up, you know, being one of my best employees, turned around, became an entrepreneur himself. You know what I'm saying? Now he created his own business, can start, you know, supporting his own family. And, you know, we just realized that, man, if it will work, if this works in North Nashville, um, it can work anywhere. You know, it can work in Atlanta, it can work in Memphis, it can work in Miami, Houston, Dallas, you know, you see, it doesn't matter because, you know, neighborhoods are being gentrified everywhere and what they need the most to sustain and, and continue to keep the heritage and history is ownership of those that live in the community. And so that's what uh, we've dedicated ourselves to do. Now, all of our restaurants aren't in, you know, areas that are being gentrified right now, but we are still very focused on those areas and committed to serving them. Yeah, I want you. To, I want to spend some more time because I think this is important. Because I was thinking about like the Beltline in Atlanta when I was thinking about these questions. Because you, you talk about uproars, like when they or a whole around around that Beltline is you know property values are skyrocketing, therefore property taxes are skyrocketing, therefore people are getting pushed out, and then you're seeing you know new cultures come in. And I wonder, like from your perspective, what role? does small business play what role do entrepreneurs like yourself play in protecting that heritage and creating opportunities so if you can go in there um i think i think the role for entrepreneurs especially if you know i won't just single out you know i want to i don't want to generalize it the what role for for black african-american entrepreneurs uh to to maintain that culture is 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 at the highest level, you know what I mean? Like we have to do that. It's our responsibility to do to do that, um, as well as take part in the in the economic uh, uh, you know advantages and, and benefits of being a part of an area such as you know in Atlanta where the Beltline is, right? Um, it's it's our responsibility when it comes to owning property. But if you can't do that, put your business in these areas to allow the culture to continue to be there, continue to thrive. Because as just to be honest, when you when you have a black owned business, nine times out of ten, your employees are gonna look like you. You know what I mean? So that allows that allows you to number one, uh, maintain the culture by the people that work there, maintain the culture by giving your employees an opportunity, an economic opportunity, uh, so they can go out and, and replicate, you know, what you've done in your business. And then also ownership, just ownership of the street, ownership of the business. Um, I mean, I think is for for us, it's detrimental uh, in our community that we start and not start because we had a mentality, but continue to advance the mentality of ownership in our communities and not just allow to be not just be allowed to be pushed out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and, and you and and you know, it's this thing like you know we talked about a little bit about the, the family in, um, in LA, you know, that sold the beach back, right? To the city. But, but you know, we can say, well, they should have went with a developer, they should have did this, they should have did that, but man, Lord knows how much the taxes were, was, right? You know what I'm saying? 
Lord knows how much, you know, how, how much infighting or maybe disagreements it was with the family. And they just had to say, you know what, we just got to give it up. You know what I'm saying? But, but so, so I'm saying that to say it's like, at times, you know, we can talk about being, not being pushed out. We giving up grandmama's house and all the type of stuff. That's not necessarily true all the time. You know what I mean? We literally can be pushed out by how much it costs just to maintain and live in that neighborhood. You know what I mean? So, so we have to like form these groups, just like, you know, some of these other cultures that help each other out. Uh, and it doesn't have to always be a, a monetary help. You know what I'm saying? It could be, hey, I got an accountant that can show you how to save some money this way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I got a, we got an opportunity. We can do this on the street together. Like we have to maintain these working relationships in order to stay in these neighborhoods that are being gentrified because it is unaffordable. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's, to answer your question, man, we have a true responsibility as black entrepreneurs to, to maintain and to hold on to a little bit of peace of what we have. Because, because as you know, you know, we're like these property values, you know, they go up, you know what <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. saying? Oh, they yeah. go up. Oh, so, yeah. So, so, right. So if you got, if you got a restaurant in the biz, you're like, man, hey, I need some help with just, with just the property itself. Get you a partner, get you somebody that got it. Don't necessarily want to be in the operation side, but hold on to that property because it's going up. That's absolutely you right. You know what I'm saying? And sell it if, if that's if that's the case, but don't sell it to the to the lowest to the lowest bidder. Yeah, and one thing you said was so important is because it's so it's it's important to know about the economic advantages to being in these areas is because. When I bought my, I have three commercial real estate properties right in the same neighborhood, lower economic um, disadvantaged area, but it's on the rise. And if I was, if I, if I was not aware of programs and things like opportunity zones and things like we have, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's a program you can lock in your property value tax for 10 years up to 15, up to 15, depending on um, how many improvements you made and et cetera because they want you to invest in these areas but yeah. you can buy the property and not know these things are available and end up getting yeah. your taxes raised but you got to understand how to play with governments and so have you ever had to in you know engage with pol politicians to make these things work at the scale that you're at yeah we you know unfortunately where we're from nashville um there hasn't been as many advantages uh, to engage in politics, especially when it comes to reinvesting in our own communities. Uh, you know, at one point there was the um, uh, opportunity zones that they were, you know, trying to push, and uh, there was also I think there was a it was a blighted property the blighted property grant where yeah. if you if you spent a uh, hundred thousand. Uh, you know, on on your property exterior, you exterior, get 10%, you get ten percent back. back. It's like how many, how many, <laughs> how many, how many, you know, startups got a hundred thousand just to burn and get ten percent back? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then, but then I have a friend in, uh, you know, in D.C. Uh, you know, she's a restaurateur as well. Uh, that was telling me about you know a program there that, uh, you know. If you want to open up a concept and you have, you know, history of, of being a, a business in business, then, uh, you know, you can get a grant for 80,000, you know, in certain neighborhoods to be able to open up, you know, your, your business uh, to improve the economy there. And so I think a lot of it depends on, 
you know, what the city is looking for and what they're willing to do and what their leadership already looks like. Yeah. Um, in Memphis, know, Memphis, we got it. Yeah. Yeah, we got a grant from Memphis. Um, you know, it was you know, exterior, it was black, like almost like a blighted property grant, but but you didn't have to you didn't have to have a spin. It was automatic. If you if you open a business in this area, you know, we're gonna give you sixty, eighty to eighty grand uh, you know, for your exterior, for your facade. That went, that went that went a long way for us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So and, yeah. and then you go vice versa, you know, here in town, you know, we've had and there's articles about it where uh, you know, they bring in an economic development uh person within the like mayoral's office and that person came out publicly and was basically like, Man, I don't have any power. I'm here to be a to be a face, uh, you know, for for an administration. And you know, so that takes a lot out of you when you think about going and you know, fighting. Because at the same time, we have responsibility to make sure we can open up uh, businesses and run them, you know, well. That's right. Um, yeah. So uh, I think it depends on the the place a lot of times versus uh, you know the the, the person that's wanting to fight the battle. Yeah, and it, it did come to me. It was what I was talking about. Was it's called a community reinvestment area, CRA, and a lot of um, geographies across the country have have them. So if, if you're looking into buying commercial real estate, um, it is something to look into. Whether it be calling your mayor's office or the city administration, economic development offices, look into community reinvestment areas. They are often in the lower income uh, zip codes. And they because they need them to, to turn around. So we need those that investment. Clint, you had said something a couple of times about investing in these areas, particularly historically black areas. You said it's needed and it's one thing for it to be needed. It's another thing for it to actually make money in that area because you could have something that's needed and it, you can't get two nickels out of it. How do you balance what's needed in a particular geography, whether it be your your pizza shop or whether it be one of your other businesses and having the need to turn a profit? Um, you want to ask me? I, I, can well, go. I got a piece of you, you All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, man, it, it's, it's, it is a, it's a tough balance, man, because on one end, you want to do what's right for the people in the neighborhood. You want to do what's right just for your people, right? But you know you got you to gotta make a profit. And I think that for us, we found a, a, a good formula uh, to to be able to do both, and that is it's funny, but it's true. When we talk about these these gentrified areas, right? So when we go find a spot, the spot in Atlanta on Metropolitan, this one on Buchanan, man, we'd be like, man, if you see uh, if you see some little black kids running around, and you see a white a white woman r walking the dog or running on the street. You, you found it right because it's it's the perfect mix. It's the blend. You know, you know, you know that the affluent they moving in. You know what I'm saying? That number two, they they don't fear the people in the neighborhood. They feel safe enough to run with. You know what I'm saying? Take a run early in the morning. But you see these black kids and they still here. You feel what I'm saying? So so we 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 that formula has worked for us. It's getting a little bit more tricky because you know it, gentrification is on the rise and, and it's and it's a fast rise. So a lot of that is going away. You know what I'm saying? But if we can find that, then then that's that's then we know we got some balance. We can provide jobs, but we also got these affluent people here that can afford our product. They feel safe. 
and they want to be a part of the neighborhood. They just don't really know how. Yeah. So we, we yeah. And then on the, you know, on the young investment side, right, what we found is, you know, it's hard, you know, as a young African-American to go out and, you know, areas that are already thriving and purchase property. But what we can do is find areas like Mo just suggested where, you know, it's still affordable, right? And you can find some commercial real estate that's affordable, uh, you know, fits your budget, and you open up a business in it, then you can play the prop co opco game, right? So like for us, for example, we own about 50% of our properties. Well, we come in, we purchase the property. Uh, let's take uh, Atlanta, uh, Adair Park, close to the historic West End, for example. I think we, um, you know, we purchased that property for what, about 330,000? 330. Where, where can you find, you know, buy an entire uh, corner in a, you know, a huge metropolitan city for 330,000, right? But we found that in West Atlanta, all right? So, uh, you know, we reinvested, uh, got some financing with the bank to build uh, a brand new restaurant on top of it. We come out of there, you know, the building's worth over $2 million at this point, right? But, and that's an extreme amount to be able to have to mortgage. But when you have a business that can come in as a, as a tenant initially and do business, now you're paying your mortgage at the same time you're paying your rent. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we own two companies on that block. We own the real estate side of it, and we own the operational side of it. And the operational side is paying the bills. And so playing that game in the right areas with the right deal can be very advantageous. And, you know, look at that area that I was just describing now. When we first went there, there was nothing on the street that we invested. Now there's a uh, multi-use, a huge project being built across the street. So that two million dollar valuation is going to probably go up to about, you know, hopefully three or four, you know, in the next six months with that once that's complete. And that's all about just taking uh, an opportunity on reinvesting in the hood. And so uh, I think it's very important to learn that game. If you own a business and you're looking to, you know, buy property, uh, you know, Propco Opco game was taught to us by you know, our mentors. We were coming up and it, it really works. So there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, 
Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating While Broke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests. But with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., Only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses. Helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Too often entrepreneurs, especially black entrepreneurs, are asked about what makes them so passionate about an idea that they need to start a business around it. However, there's an idea called opportunistic that we don't perceive as possible for ourselves. 
Mo, Clint, EJ didn't grow up thinking about starting a moving company or a pizza restaurant. They saw an opportunity. That's it. Mo speaks on it. As, uh, as, as, as black folks, man, we don't always have the, the, the opportunity to be opportunistic, right? Because once we graduate college, man, we think about these loans that we got to pay back. We got to go get this job. We, uh, we, you know, we got to do all the things uh, that our counterparts uh, don't have to worry about. You know what I'm saying? We got to go back and give mama some money. We got to help mama on the bills. So, so we take on jobs, even though we had these grand ideas, but we take these jobs just based off of responsibility. You know what I'm saying? And what we don't have. So we don't have the opportunity to be, uh, don't have yeah, the chance or the opportunity to just be opportunistic Whereas if I had a nest egg and my family set me up, you know what I mean? I can go out there and make a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar mistake. You know what I'm saying? So, so, but for us, I mean, I think that we were young enough, uh, didn't have as many responsibilities as we have now to take advantage of, uh, of, 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 of opportunities that came our way. And, 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 and we didn't go in looking at when we started a moving company, um, we were 25 when, when we started our first company, and um, and we started that company with $3,000, right? So we were naive enough to think that this would work. You feel what I'm saying? And it did. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but it's how can I say it? We just wanted to solve a problem. You know what I mean? We saw a need. Uh, it's not it's not like we were passionate about moving furniture. You know what I'm saying? We, it, but we had a but we but we had a passion for being entrepreneurs, and we had a passion for solving problems and, and filling voids and a need, and that trickled down to a great business. So that you know, what I'm saying for seven figures, something that we started with with, with three thousand dollars into what we're doing now with Slim Huskies, and again, we see a void, we see a void in our communities socially, but we see a void uh, economically because we have these. All these restaurants, we have, you know, Chinese restaurants, uh, uh, Mexican restaurants, all these culture have, have their identity within their restaurants, and we needed ours. So we feel the void, a need there. And then also an economic or opportunity void by providing our people that look like us with jobs. You know what I'm saying? So I think our thing is, man, we see opportunity to solve a problem, and we, and we jump on it. it. Sometimes, you know, when you... You just know a market and you go after an opportunity. Um, do you feel the need to go deep into like market studies? Like when I, when I started my social club here, like I didn't do a whole market study. I knew the community. So I guess from that perspective, it was a market study. But how do you when you say um, there's Chinese restaurants, there's other types of restaurants. How did you know pizza was the one to lean on that you could actually add value to? And so what I think about is. When you're starting a business, there's this, you know, phrase in tech, like you got to lean into the thing that you have a unique value proposition. Like what do you what makes you the person to solve this problem? Right. Mm -hmm. And how do you think about from your perspective, starting in Nashville, what made pizza the thing that you're going to tackle versus the other opportunities that could have been in front of you and that were in front of you, I'm sure. Yeah, I, th I think there's several reasons. Um, first reason was, you know, we, we grew up those TGIF kids, you know, watching, uh, you know, our favorite shows on Friday night, watching wrestling, you know, what I sleepovers, you know, with our friends and, and always eating pizza, 
you know, and like pizza was just one of those things that we love. So that kind of falls into, you know, we were talking about being authentic. I think pizza is just one of those things that, you know, if you don't like pizza, man, I can't <laughs> trust you. And like, so I, I, we already had a love for pizza. Other thing, you know, growing up in the South, you know, and I, a lot of our neighborhoods, you know, a lot of our black owned restaurants and concepts offer a lot of similar things. So, you know, you got your wing spots, you got your soul food spots. Uh, we wanted to come hot some, yeah, in Nashville, home of hot chicken, you know, we got tons of hot chicken spots and, you know, we love those places, uh, but we wanted to come, you know, with something different, something that we knew everybody would love and something that we could just really put our culture behind that wasn't done before. And also something that's not too expensive. So, you know, knowing that we wanted to serve our people, we wanted something that was affordable, uh, that could be created in, in a healthy way, fulfilling and, um, you know, just just offer who we are in our best yeah, way and, possible. And, and we and we did as far as like the research part about it, man. We um we knew we did research on what do Americans eat. You know, what I mean, what are the popular foods? And that was mm -hmm. hamburgers, hot dogs, pizza, tacos. You know, what I'm saying it was we 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 didn't want to do hamburgers. It was it was it was during a time where crap burger spots was popping up all over the place in the city. You know, what I'm saying. And then, and then hot dogs, man. We, you know, we, we didn't feel like we could jazz that up enough to where, you know, it would feel good to us. You know what I'm saying? We already in our community. You eating the glizzy? You know what I'm saying? You already, you already, you already behind the eight ball, right? You know what I'm saying? So we can't be the glizzy king. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so you know what I mean? So we was like, ah, right, we gonna leave that. We gonna leave it alone. And then. Uh, um, and, you know, and then you know the tacos, man. You know, we didn't feel like we could do, we we like we could do anything, but we didn't want to. We wanted to leave that to where 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 it was already working. So it was like pizza, man. We Americans eat pizza in the abundance of pizza. It has high growth, uh, high growth rates as far as an industry, a food industry, and um, and we understood the cost, and. You know, it's 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 not so like it's not segregated into like you know uh, like a demographic of people that will or won't eat pizza. Man, everybody's eating pizza. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, man, we can dive into that, make that cool. It fits us. We grew up on pizza. We grew up on pizza parties, Ninja Turtles, all that type of stuff. Like we could do that. You know what I'm saying? And and it, and it worked out for us. You know, and so it was a little bit of research, a lot of bit of chance. Uh, and and we knew that we di didn't just want to depend on pizza to be the selling point or to bring people in the doors. It was the music, it was the art, it was the community aspect of it. So uh, and, and we understood that 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 was a need to be filled in all of those areas. You know, how do you decide? Because you're in multiple states even now. Forget just cities. But how do you decide which markets to explore for new locations? Well, you know. That's a very good question because, you know, we, when we initially start going places, uh, I think our first city we went to, ventured into, was Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so we just knew, hey, man, Atlanta's going to hit. It's six million people down there. Uh, you know, it's the, you know, arguably the, the new mecca of hip-hop. Uh, you know, we got a hip-hop, you know, based brand. Like, it's going to work, right? Um, we, so we started off doing the eyeball test, you know what I'm saying? Just mm -hmm. kind of filling it out. And then also using social media and seeing, you know, what kind of traction we're getting from different places outside of, uh, you know, Nashville and Memphis, Tennessee. 
Atlanta was that city where everybody's like, man, y'all got to come here, y'all got to come here, right? So we listen to the consumers through social channels and, and engaging it that way. Uh, but I think, you know, now that we, you know, got to, you know, about 10 units and, and looking to grow even more, now we're starting to dive in because it's, it's going to become a lot of, you know, a lot more about dollars and cents now than ever before as we, you know, grow to, to uh, more locations. And so, you know, now we're taking, you know, advantage of the studies that are out there, you know, getting with real, real estate uh, and community, you know, uh, professionals to say, can you guys give me the data that we need to ensure that this location is going to be a hit? Uh, because, you know, we've had some locations where we went where, you know, we honestly, you know, thought that our brand and, and, and our stories and, and, and marketing has been done on us would carry us. Uh, but we started off a little slower than what we expected. And so that was a learning curve in business to say, you know what, like, you know, we, we, we starting to get up there with the big dogs. We got to do what the big dogs do. Yeah. And so um, so, you know, data is key for us now. You know, it's one thing to open up a shop remotely. It's another to manage it, you know, from a distance. And how do you do that? Because you got to scale at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we got a great team. So first, the, the way to scale is uh, is processes, man. You know what I'm saying? So your SOPs, right? So no matter where you are, what city, what time zone, you know at 9 o'clock in Atlanta, uh, they're doing the same thing at, uh, you know, when it, when it's nine o'clock in Nashville, when it's nine o'clock at nine o'clock, don't matter. We should be able to call at that time zone and look on the camera and they're doing exactly all the same things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, at that, at that specific time. So, so processes is important. Documenting those and training those is, uh, is the most important thing you're thinking about scaling. Right. And I think, as, as a community, we, we miss that. Like, we go into it with the mom and pop attitude. You know what I mean? You know, mom and pop going to go open the doors, turn the lights on, and operate the business, right? And we never scale. You know what I'm saying? We Great ideas, but never scale. So for us, we knew that we didn't want to be in a building all the time. We knew that we wanted to go take advantage of, of, of what we have and grow it. So we start these processes. So the way you cook, the, the temperature of the oven is the same, where you get the product is the same. Um, all those things uh, allow you to scale. And we did that with the moving company. Even though we stayed in Nashville, we started make, uh, building these SOPs at the tender age of 25, 26, man. And we understood that we wanted to scale one day. We read a book called Built to Sell, which helped us out a whole lot. And um, uh, so, but anyways, man, that's how you scale and that's how you manage uh, in these other locations, as well as having a good team, you know what I mean. So you got a good team of general managers, you got a good, good uh, uh, director of operations, and uh, and uh, and chief operations, and those two guys make sure that what what we what we implemented, what we built, is happening all across all across our stores uh, in these different states and time zones. And then it's also important to know, like when we had the moving company, as most said, we were building those SOPs. But as guys are coming in, we're training them. We're giving them paper packets, like, "Hey, take that home. You know, read. You know, read the handbook. Uh, look at this training module. You know what I'm saying?" But now with the restaurant, we've been able to take advantage of technology uh, because you know we know that you know papers a thing in the past. But you know we work off checklists that you know as he said, every store is doing the same thing at the same time, and we can pull up on our cell phones and, and log into the app and see which GM at this store didn't do what or you know who's 
at 100% completion rate, you know. So, it, you know, technology is, is so important to adopt when you're starting to talk about scale nowadays, especially within hospitality, because it saves us so much time and money. So there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And for the people who are listening who are thinking about anything in the 
near the verticals, you guys, I want you guys to leave them with some words about partnership because obvious you guys, three of you guys, you know, with EJ and talk about how, because you mentioned, you know, you went into the scale a little bit and how we get stuck in the mom and pop, you know, area mo. And so part of why partnerships get broken up is because we don't understand our responsibilities. You know, Clint's doing what Mo should be doing. Mo's doing what EJ should be doing and et cetera, et cetera. How do you guys designate who does what so you don't feel like you're stepping on each other's toes to, in order to continue to build a great partnership with the three of you guys? Uh, we, we define roles early on, you know, uh, and we understand each, each other's uh, strength and weaknesses, right? So, uh, so Clint, Clint, out of all of us, he is uh, he's a lot more social. You know what I mean? Not a lot because me and Clint about here and there, but but uh, but I mean he he's but I understand I have the mind for logistics and operations more because of, I I was an air traffic controller. You know what I mean? At one point in time in my life, I worked in sales. At one point in time in my life, I had all these jobs that I got fired from. At one point in time in my life, that prepared me for what I am, what I can do now. You know what I mean? Construction jobs, all that type of stuff. So so. You know, we define roles really early on, and don't step and, and made it made it a, a a goal to not step on each other's toes. Now, sometimes these roles intertwine. Well, I'll need to pull on Clint, or I need to pull on EJ for something. Um, but but we we define these roles, and we trust each other to do these roles the right way. You know what I'm saying? As well as you know, forming the, forming these operating agreements before we open the door. You know what I mean? So. So, uh, uh, so we make sure the legal paperwork is right, um, and, and that 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 alleviates, you know, this one worry that we have. You know, we go into it as, as partners, making sure that that's right. You know, we can, that frees us up to think think forward and start thinking about not new ideas and stuff like that. And, and you know, we just like I said, understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, man, and define these roles, and that allows us to work not it's not always great together because i mean we're human beings but that allows us to grow and scale and and when and when things get a go astray we're able to fix it a lot faster than if we were intertwining all these roles and i was doing clint job and i was doing ej job like so yeah yeah that's how we that's how we pretty much work the partnership man and what would you leave the audience with um things that they should do if they're interested in getting hospitality anywhere, hospitality, food service, what kind of things were the things that you wish you would have known in closing? Uh, I, I wish, I wish I would have understood, uh, you think about taxes, man, you know, the, you know, businesses in, in the movie industry, we didn't have nearly as many taxes as we have now, you know, liquor tax, food tax, you know, you know, franchise and excise tax, all these taxes, man, I wish I would have understood that early on, um, you know, uh, as well as uh, doing more market research, site selection research, um, uh, those type of things, you know, as, as a restaurant are very important. Uh, and sometimes, man, like, like you go back to the opportunist thing, like sometimes we just have an idea and we just need to bust it open and try right and learn as we go um so i, I never want to say know everything or know all these things before you start because then you start to talk yourself out of it but 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 definitely do your research 
um, have have a have a good working idea, not just an idea, but a good working idea of what you're getting yourself into, and then uh, I mean just go for it, man, and you know, to trying to fail, man, you know, we, you got to do it. So yeah, yeah. A couple of things. First thing, uh, if you're looking to go into a partnership, kind of stemming off the last question, don't think that you know everyone your friends is going to be a great partner, right? Like, I think what makes us great is that, you know, we all bring something different to the table. We all have a certain level of responsibility, uh, you know, and, you know, we, we know that, you know, we're working with good guys on the other side, right? Like, we, we trust each other. And so, you know, we all got friends that, you know, have a lot of fun with, but they ain't going to make a great business partner. So you got to know how to, <laughs> you know, cipher through that a little bit. Uh, you know, on the hospitality side, man, I think one thing that uh, anybody can do is interested in, whether it's, you know, food service or, uh, you know, opening up their, their own spot or lounge or whatever the case is, man, go work in one. You know, go work in one. Take take the opportunity to, like, see what it's like on the inside out of operating a business when it comes to hospitality. That's the best way you can learn. You know, if somebody would work for us for, you know, for five years, they could easily leave here, you know, with enough tools to go open up, you know, a restaurant just based off of general knowledge. Uh, you know, and the last thing I would say is, uh, you know, we, we haven't put a business plan together in a while. Yeah. Uh, but we, I think we just got a knack now. We want to open up a business. We know what needs to be done. But the very first one that we did, you know, it took us a while to put it together because we were doing so much research on everybody around us. Man, we did we did market research uh, on pizza restaurants from the East Coast to West Coast, from, uh, you know, all across the United States to right here locally. We broke everything down. We got, you know, i never forget, we were creating our sauces. We went around, got about 10 different pizza sauces from places, did blind taste tests, figured out which one we liked the best, you know, measured that out to who was doing, you know, getting the most sales. And, you know, we were just doing different things, man, to figure out exactly who we wanted to be as a business and exactly what, you know, the potential com competition would look like in the marketplace. And so a lot of people don't realize that when we opened our first biz, I'm sorry, our first restaurant, we had been working on it for two years. Yeah. If you look at uh, any one of our original locations, we've got a seal on the front that says established 2015, but we didn't, we didn't sell our first pizza, or open our doors until March of 2017. But that established what represents us in the lab figuring this thing out, testing pizzas, uh, passing them out to the community at different events, getting the word out, uh, you know, figuring out our training program, uh, working on our, uh, our floor plans and going back and forth with the architects. I mean, at that point, we felt like this is when it got started. And I think that, you know, uh, entrepreneurs in any field need to know that like sometimes it, it takes a little time to build success before you actually jump into it. Yeah, and then I, I will leave you one other thing is, man, I tell people all the time, you gotta fall in love with the sacrifice, right? So like, like if you don't love, uh, if damn love what you do, you gotta love the sacrifice, you gotta fall in love with it because it's gonna be, be so many times and so many hours uh, uh, and days where your friends are able to go kick it, you know, in Jamaica or the Bahamas or, 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 or take a trip to Italy and you want to be a part of it so bad or you got the homie that, that just popped up and pulled up in the new, in the new whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or all that type of stuff, right? You know, but, 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 but for what you're doing, 
and what you what you can't do now, that's the sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Because you setting yourself up for longevity. You know what I mean? Years and years and generations of wealth. You know what I mean? Not saying that your homies just taking the trips, they're not doing the same thing, but it just ain't your time. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta fall in love with the sacrifice or you'll you'll just be living in the moment and, and all the work that you put in it just be null and void. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Vanessa Serrano. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop to Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Share this with somebody. Go get your money. Peace and love. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.